Well, good morning, everybody. You look bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. Yo, 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 yo. Sometimes it's actually very hard to speak after a time like that where you're just so enjoying some wonderful moments in God's presence. And um, I also want to say this, that every now and then, God will take you to a place where he stretches you a little bit. Because God never leaves you in your comfort zone. And, and like Adam was saying, do something that you've maybe never done before. Because God's a dynamic God. He's, he's not a stereotype. And he's always, he's, the reason why he does things like this is because he needs you to discover what he's put on the inside of you. And if you never ever stretched or you never do different things, you'll never discover those things. I'm doing today what I actually never thought I'd ever do in my life. But because somewhere along the line, God created an opportunity, I stepped into it. I made a big mess, but I stepped into it. And from then, he just kind of like started to work on me and, and develop that. So I want to encourage you, be a doer of God's word. Love his presence. And sometimes it's kind of like you feel like, Yo, am I connecting God or not? You know what? The Bible says he never leaves you nor forsakes you. In other words, he's always there. He's always hearing. He's always reaching out. He's, he's like the radio wave that's always communicating. It's just whether we tuned in to the right wave or not. And that's what we are trying to get to sharpen ourselves up and is tuning ourselves in on the right wavelength. And you know what I found? The wavelength that I was on the last Sunday, it's not the same wavelength for this Sunday. And that's why it becomes different. And that's why it's exciting. So I pray that we will always be people that are so hungry for his presence, we will do whatever it needs to get there. Hallelujah. That's what makes chai, ch chai, I don't know what language I was going into there. That's what makes church. So, by the way, while I'm on that whole language thing, I believe that there was a corner over here, and this man was included, about Mentos and compost and all that kind of stuff. When you're supposed to be listening to me. See, every now and then you've got to do kind of like those things so that you make sure the congregation are not sleeping, you know, and then they come to life. Anyway, so you're going to find out that my brain and my mouth don't seem to be synchronized every now and then. And if anything comes out, you're allowed to make fun of it. It's okay. Um, <laughs> geez. Uh, Lord. Okay, so I also want to, I want to make a confession. You know, Christianity is the great confession. And I've got to realize that I'm not as good as I thought I was. And last week you might have found out. And my PowerPoint um, had some boobies on it. And the reason is, is because I was looking for different backgrounds. And then when I put the old CLC one on, it wasn't, if you, those of you that do PowerPoint, you know, you pick a background and it changes everything. Well, I was trying with that thing, and then I changed the thing, and I thought it had changed everywhere, and it, those two slides were there. So I fired myself so that we don't do that again. And so I want to show you what happens when somebody who's better than you does it. So what you see tonight is not what I put together. But ladies and gentlemen, it's Jasmine. So if you ever need, so watch, watch. when I saw it, I was, I'm even embarrassed that I tried. So thank you for the gift. And if you want to get involved in helping, you are so welcome. But now let's stop talking other stuff and let's get on to talking 
good things about the word. So I want to talk to you tonight on where there is more than one. You think, what kind of title is that one? Where there is more than one. Yet, I am just amazed. I didn't even know you find pictures like that or whatever. So have you noticed, have you noticed in life that where there's more than one person, life becomes a little bit more complicated? Or is it only in my life? To try and get something done, to get more than two people to agree or see things the same way, it's like a mountain. I didn't even realize. And you see, the problem is they never put that into the manual. When you get married, they, they didn't put that in there. And you, so you discover these things along the road. So I want to give you a very simple thing. In my family, if we're going to go anywhere, a little bit of holiday, I'm a kind of guy at the drop of a hat, I'm gone, and I will do everything as an adventure along the road. I don't need to know all the things ahead of time. Thank you, sir. Amen. Okay. Okay. But then God put somebody in my life that needs to know when are we going to leave, where are we going to stop for fuel, where are we going to have a toilet stop, where are we going to eat, what are we going to eat, what's available to eat, where are we going to see, are we doing it all in one time, or are we going to do it like in, uh, overnight? I don't just let's start and let's go. And then we will work those things out as we go. We'll pray for you soon. <laughs> so. <laughs> and the reason is, is because everybody's different. And God made us that way. And the reason also is that when God put us, made us so different and he puts us together, it's amazing how we fit together. But. To see the bigger picture, I have to have everybody in my life. And that's when church becomes a whole different organization. Because God's in it, and he becomes the basis on what we look through so that everybody can see the same picture. Isn't that amazing? So, if you found that maybe your Christian life is a little bit rocky every now and then because people around you, welcome to the picture. Isn't it nice to be there? Yeah. <laughs> what I've also, um, you see, Jesus is trying to build some things into me as well that I'm lacking. And so he puts amazing people in my life so that he can build those things in there. So I'll give you a story. One day there's a pastor in a church and it was hot. So he went and opened the windows and somebody in the congregation went and closed the windows. So he went back there, and he opened the windows, and the person a little while later went and closed the windows. So there was a guest speaker that was there, and, um, and I said, who's that guy? And he said, he's my sandpaper. And you're going to find out that you're going to have sandpaper in your life. And they're actually sitting right over here, right now. And don't they look amazing? Yeah, that's so the reason why is because that not everything in me is right. And the only way to get rid of some of those not right things is to put the right people in my life. Isn't that amazing? And so I am so blessed to live life with you. You should have laughed. But <laughs> so Proverbs twenty seven seventeen says this as iron sharpens hands, I yeah, as iron sharpens. We're starting again. <laughs> Rewind. 
read it over there. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We become better because we're together. That's why, we, we, that's why one of Josh Jenner's things is called family. Now, I know I've told you a story about my family, and none of your family is like that. Because you never, ever argue. You never see different things differently. You never have a problem when you go on long journeys. You never do any of those kind of things. But I have problems, and I have to work through those things. John the Baptist said this in John 3.30. He must become greater, and I must become less. So all the bit of sandpapering that you have around you is, because did you realize that when you sandpaper something, it actually gets less? Did you notice that? Yeah. No? If you have a garage and you do that stuff, that's what's happening. Paul says this in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. And it's, I, it's no longer I living, but Christ living in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what happens is, I have to die. Now, that's so easy to read over there. It's a whole other different story to live. How many of you love dying? <laughs> Thank you for all jumping up and shouting amen. It's a painful process. Here's the next thing. Have you noticed how different the person next to you is? Paul says this in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 21. It says, the, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. And the last time I looked, a foot and a hand and everything else has got nothing in common except the body that it's connected to. And so you're going to find that that's what makes church so exciting is that sometimes we will come from two totally different worlds and God puts us in one place and then he builds something amazing through us. And then you and I can't take the glory for what we did. They cannot, you see... And here's the deal. A foot, a hand, an eye, and everything can't go anywhere without the other. I never saw a head rolling down a beer, but I saw some feet taking it that way. So we need to understand. And here's the, the thing is that we are better together. I want you to say that. We are better together. Say it again. We are better together. One more time. We are better Together, so the next time you get mad with somebody in the church, you need to say that. We are better together. And here's the next thing that God did. My destiny is connected to others. I hope you're making notes. Because <laughs> this is kind of like a sermon you don't want to take home and you don't want to remember. See? <laughs> Jasmine, email the notes, please. <laughs> So have you, heard of, have you heard of the, Lord Jesus, help this little boy to slow down. Have you heard of the word synergy? Synergy means the combined effort of two is greater than the one. That's basically simple English. What does that mean? So let me show you. In America, these guys, they, they do all these tests and stuff. So what happens is they wanted to find out what is the strongest horse that, and what it can pull. So... Um, they got a, they got did the whole competition, and I think the horse that won the the, the pulling thing pulled a, a, a weight of four thousand one hundred and twenty something pounds, dead weight on the ground. So the second horse pulled four thousand and like ten pounds. So they did an experiment, and they said, "Okay, if we put the two horses together, what weight will they combined pull together? What do you think?" 
One's 4,100 something, one's just over 4,000. What does your brain automatically say? 8,000 pounds. Do you know what the two horses together pulled? 14,000 pounds. So just diverting from there a little bit, I want to give you something. Do you know why marriages are under attack today? Because two are better than one. When God connects you up to your partner, he doesn't just, he, he more than doubles your abilities. That is why marriage is so powerful. And that is why the enemy wants to stop it. When the Bible talks about unity, you need to understand the enemy is going to go for it. Because if God can get two people to work together and to synchronize, I'm telling you the output and the effectiveness of those two people are so powerful that the enemy is in trouble. That's why the Bible says if one can put a thousand to fly, two can put ten thousand. So you need to understand. So, so the reason why the Bible teaches us these things is because he, that he wants us to know the, the capacity he's put on the inside of us if we will apply biblical principles. That is why he talks about certain things in the word. That is why marriage is powerful. Teamwork is powerful. That's, and that's why there are things that are, are, are trying to threaten us and, 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 and overtake us and, and, and do those things because the enemy wants to paralyze you. He wants to make you ineffective. He wants to take away from you what God has put in, you, in your ability to do. We all have a destiny. In Psalm 133, verse 1, in fact, read the whole chapter, uh, verse, the three verses, and it says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in. I'm going to say that again. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in. Unity. Unity is something that God wants you and I to walk in, and it's something the enemy doesn't want you to understand, and he wants you to do everything against it. So he'll throw a lot of stuff out there. Verse 2, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running from down from the beard, running down onto Aaron's beard, down onto the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestowed his blessing, even life forevermore. So it's interesting here, the oil speaks about anointing. That when you and I will, 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 will walk in unity, it's like oil from the head speaking about Jesus, onto the beard, leadership, onto the robe, the body. So there's, when there's unity, there is something that flows from the top right onto the bottom. And everybody benefits from it. And if the enemy can get that oil stop to stop flowing, he hits just one button. He causes chaos. And that is why you and I need to cherish some things that the Bible speaks about. Very, very important. You see, unity is that oil, an anointing. This says about the Jew. Jew is, it speaks, it's obviously, it's water. And water speaks of life. And it brings life and it brings refreshing wherever it goes. Now, I've never been there, but I've heard it say that the Jew on Mount Hermon is so strong that it runs off like rivers. And everything around it, 
don't know if Adam or anybody else has got more knowledge on that. But everything is refreshed and there's a lot of life around it. And that's the effect of it. So you see, a lot of times in the Bible, the, 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 the writers used illustrations that people would understand because they could see it. And that's why they understood the word when, when, they, when they communicated it. Here's the next thing. Remember, I'm talking about when there's more than one. <laughs> we are never asked to create unity. Did you know that? There's no scripture in the Bible that says create unity. Do you know why? Because in the beginning, God says he created us what? In his image and in his likeness. So right in the beginning, unity was part of our, our fiber on the inside of us. So we're not called to create unity. We're called to maintain unity. John seventeen twenty. my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are, are in me and I am in you, may they also uh, be in us so that the world may believe that, they, that you have sent me. So there's one thing that the world is going to notice, that the church is totally different, is because of the unity in the church. It's going to speak very loud. Why? Because if you look at the world that we're living in right now, there's just chaos. Nobody can agree with nobody, and, and, and everybody's pulling in all different directions. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I am in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. You see, when Jesus comes in, into my heart, we are then brought into complete unity. Because if Jesus is ruling on my throne of my life, then everything that I have and everything that I do should be reflecting who he is. And therefore, he brings me into complete unity. Unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved even uh, they loved them as you have loved me. You see, the Lord has set fruit as a demonstration of where heaven is operating. So when we worship, there's fruit that comes out of that. There's the there's the the the, the, the prophetic and the and, and the move of the spirit and there's stuff that, that starts to confirm that heaven is visiting the place. I want to say to you today, and in fact, in the last days, I think there's going to be a move of the body of Christ coming together, standing with one voice, with one heart, one mind, one purpose, and becoming the great body that God intended. You see, biblical principles will work for anybody. Please listen to me. We believe the Bible. You know what the sad thing is? Some of us struggle to live what the Bible says. There's some people that don't believe the Bible, but live the principles and are seeing the benefit in their life. Can I give you one? Um, Richard Branson. You know him, Mr. Virgin? I don't know, I don't, unless anybody else knows more than I do. Um, okay, no, that sounded like very, like I know everything. Okay, that's not about this. <laughs> okay, let's rewind that one. I have not heard him make any declaration that he acknowledges God or serves God. Has anybody in this room? There was an interview. Somebody, a reporter asked him, how come every project that you do is always successful? Richard Branson took on British Airways and won the court case. Now, British Airways is quite a strong organization. And as a single character, took them on and won the court case. And so they asked him, 
What is it about you that, that, that all your projects seem to be successful? And this was his answer. He says, before I start any major product, project, I take a considerable amount of funds and I give it to charity. Do you think that that is being generous? What does the Bible say about being generous? God will prosper you. God will bless you. So it's very interesting that we don't have to be Christians to live the Bible and see the results because they are principles. Gravity. You don't have to believe because you're a Christian. Gravity works whether you're a Christian or not. Go and jump off the roof and I'll tell you. It's just easy. Because there's principles that God put into place. And you need to understand that unity is one of the principles that God wants you and I to walk in. So that we can see the fruit of it. Ephesians 4.3. Somebody remembers from last week. Ephesians 4.3. Make every effort. What does that mean? Make every effort. The fact that it's got effort inside it means it's not easy. In fact, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Remember my wife's statement? Okay, some of you won't remember that one. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the, of the, of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Let the peace of Christ that means I can not let it. That means I can choose to be angry. I can choose to be resentful. I can choose to do those things. Or I can say, Lord, I know that this is not going to take me down the right road. So therefore, I choose your peace. Will you come? How do I let this thing go? So the deal is we're all different. How do you add fractions? Is a math teacher around you? How do we add fractions? Add fractions have got different denominators. How do you add a fraction? Okay, so you've got to find a common denominator. Okay? So if you have three quarters and uh, four fifths and two tenths and one twentieth, what's going to be the common denominator? 20. So you find 20 and 20, you can, everybody can go into there. And so that's how you get unity. You've got to find a common denominator. What's the common denominator between all of us? Exactly. So as soon as Jesus becomes the level ground that we meet on, everything then should fall in line. The only reason why we will not find unity if you're building on Jesus is because I choose not to. This is getting painful now. <laughs> And so therefore, I becomes the biggest problem in life. What did the devil say when he wanted to take over? I will arise. I will. I will. When you and I are not in the right place, what is our language? Me, me, I. How do you spell sin? S-I-N. I becomes the very center part of sin. It's all about me. And that's why Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. I has to die. John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. 
The Bible says, humble yourself. That means I needs to go lower. <laughs> You're still here. I'm so glad you're still laughing. Sure. So how can Jesus in you and me be so different? Have you heard about church splits? Have you heard about those things? How can the Jesus in me and the Jesus in you be so different? What is it that takes us to that place? It's the I. It's the I. When I think I know better and... don't you see what God's doing through me? I mean, I prayed for the person of the, that rose from the dead. I, I'm, I'm the man of power for the hour. And when life's about you, you're in a bad place. You're in a bad place. So Jesus is the platform that gets rid of all our differences. And all of a sudden, we become level. And I'll have to let go. Here's, here's the thing. Listen to me. You have to let go. You have to let go. The very thing that you're holding on to is going to be the very thing that's going to make you crash. And you have to let it go. Now, why am I saying this? Because if you had had to interview every single person in this room, I think you'll be shocked at the difference in our backgrounds. So, so this one, I'm confessing my sin in front of the church. This year. We, we never went to Common Wednesday um, because my family organized the supper together. But what they didn't tell me is that some of my family from Zimbabwe were down here. And so they just they, they pitched up and walked through the door. And so I thought, that's it. I mean, I haven't seen him for a long time. I just sent messages, say, guys, please forgive me. But yo, what, a, what a moment to spend time with my family from far away. And so we can. But afterwards, Shirley said, my... You guys are so different. <laughs> because what happens is we started to tell stories about things we've gone through and done and all that kind of. And she says, you guys were rough. <laughs> and it's taken a lot of work. Um, hey, by the way, we, we celebrate 33 years of marriage at the end of this month. So it's, if, you, if you understand the, 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 the effort it's taken to stay together. Um, yeah, so, so my wife, here, she, really, she, she really needs a miracle. Um, she comes from a family that, that everything is kind of like together. And I come from a family that nothing's together. Um, and and um, we fight a lot and we learn to survive and we've done crazy things. And the fact that we're still alive is, is amazing. So anyway, but no more about that one. <laughs> Let's just leave that one alone. Is that I've got to let go. Now, now, here's the thing. that Because that's how you and I grew up, that's kind of like one of the things that want to define who you are. And that's not who you are. Who you are is who Jesus made. But what we've been through in life has kind of like painted us with a brush. Or it's, it's scarred us in a way. Or it's done something. And so there's rejection and anger and bitterness. And there's lots of stuff that, that, that now we've, we've been through. And, and, and now we're not living like we used to or we should be. Because we're hurting. And hurting people hurt people. 
So now we've got to get healed. But we're too scared to let go because we don't know anything else. Am I talking to the same kind of people? Because I've been there. I've had to do that. And you know, we grew up wild, rough, and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, I land up in South Africa, and I land up in Joburg, and I land up with this family that kind of like have it all together, and they don't do wild things. And now all of a sudden, I don't want to kill who I am, but I also got to kind of like trim some of the things on how I used to behave. I hope that's helping somebody. So what creates disunity? We all have a history. You all have a history. The devil will use your history against you. He's the one that orchestrated all the pain and all the stuff that you've gone through. Why? Because he seeks to steal, to kill, to destroy. And so therefore, there's been some tough things that you and I have gone through. And so we we have to let those things go. We all have fears and, and insecurities. We all have trust issues and hurt and disappointment. And there are many different things that we, that we have to deal with. And I'm asking you that if they are there, you have to let them go. Because those things will become the barriers or the blockages for you and I to walk in the fullness that God intended for us. So if I had to say to Gerald, Gerald, I want you to walk to me, but straight line, there's a lot of obstacles that he's got to get out of the way. Okay? But now, it's easier for him actually to stay over there. Because to get people chairs out of the way and whatever, and to get to me is, is more of a challenge. So sometimes we'd rather stay there. We see the mountain too big when the mountain is actually big in my own eyes, but it's actually small in Jesus' eyes. Because I'm looking from the wrong way. I'm looking from my side instead of from Jesus' side. Roots of bitterness, jealousy, all these those things support that I root. That makes me I. That makes me look after my little mountain that I'm sitting on. My little hole that I'm in. Philippians 2.1, it says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ and any comfort from His love, if any common shares in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. By being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but, uh, but each of you to the interests of others. Verse 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mind as Christ Jesus. Jesus let go of everything to come and fetch you and I. In fact, if you carry on, this says he didn't think equality with God was anything, but gave it all up so that he could become human man, to come live on this earth, to pay the price for sin so that you and I could be reconnected to him. What an amazing loving God. He, and that's the key. Have the same mindset. As Christ Jesus. Philippians 2.7 says, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being formed in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, you see, when you do that, it's a trigger that starts another whole, you know that pendulum that swings? So as soon as you do these things, it sets the pendulum going in the opposite direction. So that's what the enemy used to use against you. Now all of a sudden God starts to use that. It says, verse, 
verse 9. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. The road to greatness is through humility and letting go and throwing your life in Jesus' hands. So I is our problem. Our pain. So we normally say, well, my pain, my, my problem, my grudge, my revenge, my whatever. And when I'm driven by, I cannot connect with others. I'll never connect with you. Oh, no, we will be hang around each other, but we'll never connect. It'll never be a hard thing. Because God's connecting us not just in here, but he wants us to connect here. He wants our life to be something that's open. And the only way to diffuse that is to take I off the throne. And when, when ask Jesus into your heart, I gets enthroned. And that's why salvation becomes the very first step in that direction. Where I take myself off my throne and I put Jesus on and I say, Jesus, will you take over? But the problem is, have you, have you ever jumped in a car and allowed somebody else to drive, but you're still driving from the passenger seat? Have you been there? Let me tell you a story. So in Zimbabwe, involved in the young people, and one of the elders' son had an accident, and he was blind and half paralyzed. And he was like 33, 34 at that time. And so we, I used to go and pick him up and take him with to youth. And he was in a wheelchair, and, but it was just him being there, out of the house, whatever, in amongst other kids, and we taking the mickey out of him. But he would always say, I want to drive. And then blind, he'd grab hold of the steering wheel, and he would drive. But, and he was strong. So you can't get his hand off the steering wheel either. So I used to treat him very, very ugly because I had to punch him to get him to let go of the steering wheel. Otherwise, we all die. And so that night, coming back, 12, almost like 11 o'clock or something, he did the same thing. I slammed the brakes on. His head hit the windscreen. Pulled his wheelchair out, put him in the wheelchair, shoved him in the grass. Now you must know, we're between towns. It's just nothing. But there was a, a town, uh, I mean, a, a compound of a farm just across the road, and it was the end of the month, so they were singing and whatever. And I drove off, left him there. And as uh, another car came, I just switched off the car, and I ran back. And I sat and watched him. And I see him moving, and I can't see what he's doing because it's dark, whatever. So I take a stone, and I, throw, and I hit him. And he thought I was one of the black folk from across the road. So he starts to talk to me and Sean and whatever. The first thing he asked me for was a cigarette. <laughs> I didn't tell his dad that. But what did, how did I get there? Oh, yeah. Somebody dropped me. You want to know the story? Was <laughs> I hear the story next week. No, no, okay, let me not be, that's the problem about us guys. We tell you a story and then we halfway we don't. So anyway, he started. <laughs> so when he asked me for a cigarette, I smacked him on his face. Dwa! Yo, he started to swear at me. You know, then I told him who I was. Yeah, okay, we then we jumped in the car and we took him home. But then I was very worried because now he's it's the eldest son, you know, and I'm yeah, I'm this young twenty year old character that has <laughs> treated his son badly. So the next week I thought, yuck, I better get this out of the bag. Otherwise, if it comes out later, then I'm, I'm really going to be in trouble. So I said, did you tell your dad what I get, did to you last week? So his dad so says, yeah. And his dad's standing in the door. He says, 
So I said, you didn't tell your dad I left you on the side of the road. His eyeballs went like this. <laughs> so then I told him the story. And um, what I didn't know is that he does that with his dad. And um, he did it with a gear lever. He wanted to change gears. But they were in Harari in the city. And he pulled the gear lever right out of the gear bar, the, the whatever. So he sat there with the gear lever in his hand. And they couldn't go anywhere in the middle of traffic. So um, praise God, it wasn't a first-time thing. And um, his dad knew that he does that. Where am I now? I is the problem. Got you. Don't drive, <laughs> Don't drive blind. Yeah. So that's what happens is we give the steering wheel to someone else. We've given it to Jesus, but we still hold on. We're not letting go. And, and, and I understand why. Because we have insecurities. We have trust issues. We, we, we're doing it out of the scars of our past. And that's what's going to stop us there. So we have to put ourselves on the operating theater table so that God can heal us. And that's a process. It doesn't happen like that. It can be, but what I found in my life, it's a process that we need to go. I have spoken too long, and we need to come to a close. Um, what creates unity? You've got to get committed and stay focused. Get committed and stay focused. Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But seek what first? His kingdom. Put him first. Start a f- Jesus, what do you want me to do over here? And you're going to find that they're going to be in a conversation. You're going to say something and it's like, eh. then you fix it there immediately. We're, we're, when we're uh, in the prayer meeting before, it's like kind of hearing voice, God's voice. And that's the thing. You practice that thing. When, you, when you've stepped over the line, you fix it, excuse me, immediately. Stay focused. Number two. What is not biblical must die. Ah. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's the thing that you need to know, that when you become vulnerable with Jesus, he will not destroy you. He will heal you. He will catch you. He will protect you. That's his nature. That's how he works. I was talking somewhere, I can't remember, and I gave an illustration. I said, I want you to imagine that you are at a funeral. And the, 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 the box has gone down into, the coffin's gone down into the grave. And somebody comes up to the edge of the grave and starts to curse the person that's in the box and tell them how much they hated them and everything that they've done wrong. What do you think the person in the box feels? Why? Because they're dead. I am crucified with Christ. That when things happen, when the enemy throws things at you, I'm dead. Therefore, let it be like water on a duck's back. Let it go. But go to Jesus and say, Jesus, this thing does hurt. Will you heal me? I am still hurting. Jesus, will you heal me? And I'm telling you, God will do that because it's when we make ourselves vulnerable that he does that. Number three, watch out for each other. Watch out for each other. Don't ignore each other. The world says, well, if I can, if I can climb all over you and I can use you as a stepping stone to get where I'm getting to you, then I'm going to do that. But the Bible says, watch out for each other. 
Think of the best and try and do the best for each other. Make sure that each other is, is, is going to go ahead. In Nehemiah chapter 4, it's talking about the whole rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem that was destroyed and the city was exposed and the enemy was threatening and all that kind of stuff. And we pick it up in verse 16, verse Nehemiah 4. It says, from that day onwards, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, and bows and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all of the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held the weapon of the other. And each of the builders wore his sword as, at his side as he worked. By, but the men who sounded the trumpets stayed with me. Here it's talking about how they rebuilt the wall and how they watched for each other. They made sure the enemy didn't you get in in anywhere. Let us be those same kind of people. Let's be so united that the enemy cannot have his way in the church. When so, and, and listen to me, when somebody comes to you, they're not coming because they want to come back and down. No, no, we're coming to you because we want to help. We maybe see something. We maybe kind of like, I don't know, heard. Maybe God said something. But when we come to you, if you're defensive, how can we help you? But if you say, you know what? It is a problem. It is a problem. Number four, love one another. John 13, fully. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you so that you must love one another. Exercise love. Love is the greatest key. And you know what? People need to know that you love them. People are new. Remember what we've done with love already? One of the one another's? Love is action. Demonstrate your love for people. Go the extra mile. Cover them. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 as we land. Love is patient. Love is kind. When we see hurting people around us, be patient with them. Become the instrument through which God can use to bring healing to their life. People don't trust people anymore. Let us be the instrument that God can use to cause other people to learn to trust people again. Love does not envy, does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's how we get back to unity again. So when there is more than one, remember this. United we stand, but divided we fall. Let us be that amazing team. So I want to say this, that next week we're going to break bread. What does breaking bread represent? What Jesus accomplished at the cross. Do you think that Jesus missed out anything that you need right now? He covered everything from my emotional side, my spiritual side, my physical side. Everything that I could ever go through, he went through and he did the exchange. And so I'm asking you, will you meditate on this and ask Jesus this week, Jesus, what is it that I need to bring under your authority and your rulership? And then allow him to do that. And then next Sunday, we're going to break bread together as a congregation and we're going to celebrate the victory that we've been set free. We have been healed. He loves us. He has a destiny for us. What the enemy intended for evil over you, God intended for good. Is that okay? Because the Bible is practical. It's not theory. It's not just knowledge. It's about how can we take that and transform it into a way of life so we can become 
the great people that God intended us to be. So the devil can get so mad when you wake up in the morning thinking, what on earth are they going to get up to today? We're going to build God's kingdom. We're going to reach another hurting person. We're going to love somebody that's been rejected. We're going to do those things because we are whole ourselves. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Oh, my Father, tonight. Thank you, your presence is in this place. Thank you that you're touching people. I speak over every single person tonight in Jesus' name. I speak the breath of God. I speak the life of Jesus. I speak healing to the areas that you're hurting. The rejection, the pain, the unfulfilled expectations, all those things that the enemy has used almost to isolate you. We break the power of those things over your life tonight by the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you this week as you will speak to us and we bring them under your lordship that God, you would do miracles in people's lives. Father, we're asking that the testimonies that would come from people would, Lord, ignite people to serve you in a far greater way. In Jesus' name, I thank you that their world that they're in will be radically changed forever. In Jesus' name, I thank you that your word reminds us that therefore now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I break every thought of condemnation and the guilt sometimes how we fail regularly and all those things. And I thank you that your grace would abound to us in Jesus' name. I thank you for that tonight. I thank you for that tonight. Won't you just pray where you're at right now? Whether you want to just pray in the Holy Ghost, whether you just want to pray in your understanding, God's touching something in your life. You know right now, as you've been speaking, there's certain things, yes, this area, this area, this area. Won't you commit and say, God, I'm bringing those areas. I'm bringing them. Do that, my Father. Do it, I pray. Don't leave us where we're at. That, Father, you made an invitation and we're going to respond to that. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, my Father. Every stronghold broken. Every lie smashed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, somehow, just in my heart, I'm really sensing there are so many of us that we have listened to lies for so long. That's why Jesus said, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Things that people know nothing about, Father, but you know. Put your finger on it tonight and today and this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, bring healing, bring healing. Start with our thought life. Start with the memories that we have. I ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Commit these wonderful people to you. Stand upon your word, says that you who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. Finish it, I pray. Finish it in Jesus' name. Cause every man and woman to rise up into the fullness of Christ in the power of the Lord. Not ashamed of the gospel, but it's the power of God. It's the power of God. 
the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. If you sense that you would like somebody to pray with you tonight, then I'm asking you just to come to the front and um, deacons and elders are asking us to make ourselves available for that. Because I really believe when you step out, God's going to do something. Do something amazing. So while we're sitting over here, is there somebody you're sensing, you know what, I've never given my life to Jesus. Or I did, but these things have happened and I really have not been serving God. And, and today I'm making, like, it's the beginning again. I'm giving my life or I'm fixing that. Is there anybody in here that, that you unashamedly say, you know what, I want to I fix that tonight. You put up your hand, I want to I pray with you. Anybody in this place? Be bold. So say, yes, that's me. Because the people in this room are very excited about people serving God. Is there anybody? Everybody's saved. Everybody loves God. You're in a good place with Jesus. Amen. So my Father, I commit these wonderful people to you. Breathe your life upon them. I'm asking that you look after them this week. That wherever they go, that God, you would use them to increase your territory. Whenever they open their mouth, will they cause heaven to manifest in that place in Jesus' name? May they hear your voice and be obedient all the time. Will you help us to live those kind of lives? Commit them and their family to you. May you meet their needs according to your riches and glory. And I thank you that you'll give them wisdom in every situation and every decision they need to make. We bless them tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Com groups, can I ask you to make